Welcome to Hope Church Online with Hope Church Birmingham. I'm Adam, the lead pastor. I'm so honored that you would tune in with us for this week's audio message. Hope you will be encouraged today with a little bit of hope because that's what we exist for here at Hope Church, for people to find hope in Jesus and to bring that hope to a world in need. Now I'm excited as we're continuing in our Red Flag series as we wrap it up today. Let me encourage you, if you haven't joined us in person in a while, we would love to see you. Easter's right around the corner. We want to worship alongside you and celebrate the resurrection. So make plans to join us. Uh, If you haven't made plans to join us, we'd love to see you soon. Now let's dive into this week's message. I'm going to start off this message with our theme verse for this entire series, which is found in 1 Timothy 1.5. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the TV show Shark Tank, but it's a show I really enjoy watching. They come in, uh, these people who are an investor or a business owner, entrepreneurs or inventors, and they come in pitching a product with the goal of having a partner or an investor to help take their invention or business to the next level, right? That's the goal. But many times they encounter Mr. Wonderful, maybe even Mark Cuban, Damon, whoever it may be, Barbara. <laughs> and many times they there's haggling, there's maneuvering that takes place before a deal can be made. And sometimes the deals don't even go through. And in some of those deals, though, there are concessions or compromises that tend to benefit some parties more than others. I mean, that it is called Shark Tank. Well, over the last several weeks here at Hope Church, and if you've listened to any of these messages, we've looked at the idea of loving appropriately in healthy relationships that honor God. And then this, we've also identified that there can be red flags, which is the title of this series, that may lead to an unhealth in our own life or even in our relationships. So with that in mind, we need to know this. Loving and having healthy relationships matter to Jesus. We see that throughout his ministry, Jesus was loving appropriately. Love was in his, what we read Paul said in 1 Timothy. Love is the aim of our charge, right? It's the goal of the ministry is to do things out of love, a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And Jesus walked this and lived this to the fullest. A sacrificial love, as we talked about, is quite opposite than a selfish love love that we see in our world. And we see that throughout his ministry, he showed love and he had healthy relationships that ultimately brought people to life and brought people to his father. So if Jesus cared about healthy relationships and Jesus cared about loving appropriately, we too, as people who have accepted Christ as our savior, we too have to live that life. So today my message is titled this, Red Flags, Consecration in a Culture of compromise. Now you may be wondering, why is compromise something that could be bad? Hear me. If if compromise promotes healthy cooperation, it technically can be a good thing. But many times compromise is not just simply a healthy cooperation. It may be cooperation, but it often leads to a concession of values. Three weeks ago, we looked at the story in the life of Samson that we read in Judges in 14, 15, and 16. And the life of Samson was full of compromise, 
right? He was intended to be this Nazarite, have a devoted and a purposeful life. God was going to use him. And God did use him to protect his people to overcome the Philistines. But because he was not devoted fully to God, because he allowed himself to compromise with his values and uh, in order to appease and compromise with a woman, Delilah, as we know, he would be led to a life in a path of destruction, which robbed him of his purpose in his relationship with God, the Father. Samson lived a life of compromise and it led him to failure. Often in our personal walk in life, I believe if we're not careful, we can find ourselves stepping into a life of compromise where we're giving into one moment, which leads to another moment and then the next moment and then the next moments turn to a week and to a season and then to a lifestyle. And before we know it, we're deeper than we can ever imagine. Hear me on the topic of compromising with sin. Sin is nothing we should ever be okay with with compromise. Now, I'm not here to condemn you. Sin itself condemns, but... Jesus brings life and freedom from that. But when we choose sin, we're choosing condemnation. But let me be clear on the topic of giving into sin. Sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. Sin will keep you longer than you ever intended to say. And sin will cost you more than you ever expected to pay. Friends, sin is a destructive compromise and unfortunately, I believe we live in a culture and in a world where compromise is not only welcomed, it is something that is magnified. You must compromise to the way of the world unless you, if you don't want strife. You must compromise if you don't want to be labeled uh, as a bigot. You must compromise if you do not want to be offensive. And the truth is, if we're being clear, the gospel is offensive to those who want to live in sin. But if we're not careful, the world, and if we're not careful, we'll choose and we'll step in to areas of compromise. There are often three areas of compromise that you see. The first one is theological compromise. What is theological theology, first off? Theology is the study of God. So what happens is, is sometimes many people pick and choose what version of Christianity they want. And as a result, they end up living a watered-down Christianity or what I like to think is a counterfeit Christianity. Now, if, you, if I gave you a $100 bill, you could buy whatever you want. If I gave you a counterfeit $100 bill, that counterfeit $100 bill is worth nothing. It is counterfeit. It is cheap. It is nothing. And so we've got to make sure we're not living a counterfeit Christianity, but instead we live one that is of worth and of value. The old uh, scholar J.C. Ryle said, there is a common worldly kind of Christianity in this day, which many have and think they have enough, a cheap Christianity, which offends nobody and requires no sacrifice, which costs nothing and is worth nothing. Friends, if we're not careful, we will find ourselves being like, oh, I want to be Christian, but I want to pick the kind of Christian I want to be. And as a result, we end up with something that's not Christianity at all. That is theological compromise. Another area of theological compromise is moral compromise. Hear me. Loose values lead to a loose and lost life. There is something that is very popular and it is a moral therapeutic deist. What does that mean? I am choosing the type of moral values um, that I believe should be upheld by my own personal life in my own personal society, in my own personal culture. I'll surround myself with the people who are also moral therapeutic deists, even though we may not call it that. We agree with the same things. 
and we're going to decide what's good and what's bad. And the problem is culture changes. And when culture changes, guess what changes? The moral values. If you do not have a founded moral foundation, we get our morality from the Bible's values. We believe that it is inerrant and infallible. What it says, it is true and it's worth living by. So if we're not careful, we will morally compromise and it will make us have a loose, lost life. And the third one is personal compromise. What do I mean by that? Whereas I have a purpose, I have a direction, but then I allow the world to change my perspective, change my mind, and I have no foundation. As the wind goes, so do I. So with all of this, we have a choice. Will we be a people that embrace green flags in our life and relationships? One that is pursuit of righteousness, pursuit of honoring God with love, aim out of a pure heart and a true faith that Paul was writing about in 1 Timothy? Or will we be a people who embrace the compromising of red flags in our, within our life? And ultimately, the choice we have is, will we choose compromise or will we choose consecration? Now, let's look at what is consecration. Well, consecration is a, is a word that represents a way of devotion, a way of dedication when we dedicate ourselves through specific sacrificial acts that point us into a life of purpose and honoring God, our creator, our, our father. Consecration puts us in alignment, right, with what we were intended to be and who we were intended to be from the very beginning. When God said, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Biblically, we see this is shown through the acts of cleansing plus sacrifice plus dedication equals consecration. Let me say that again. That's like a math formula for you. Cleansing plus sacrifice plus dedication equals consecration. Where do we get that? It's scripturally. Um, before they would consecrate things biblically, they would make sure that it was cleansed. Uh, and that it was it was a clean sacrifice and they would sacrifice it, but they wouldn't just sacrifice it in the sake of it, but it would be dedicated um, to to the Lord with a purpose. And this would be a form of consecration. I believe we can do that with our lives. I believe that you and I can give our life cleansed as a sacrifice, dedicated, which leads to a consecrated life. Paul talks about this in First Timothy. Now, if you're not familiar with this in our prior messages, we look at Paul and his relationship with Timothy, kind of a father-like figure, a mentor. Timothy was a young leader of the early church. And so Paul was writing to him with doctrine, theological teachings that could guide Timothy and answer some of his questions, but also allow them to be taught to his people and his church and fellow Christians and be spread along. So when we read First and Second Timothy, we read this as applicable instruction that was being taught to Timothy, but it's something that we too must embrace and apply and live out. So Paul says this in 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct in love and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on them, on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul starts off saying, 
command and teach these things. You see, this has the note of authority. Timothy wasn't to enter this pit of speculations and opinions and the theories of people around him and the culture. He was to simply fearlessly proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ, not to give in the fear of man, but to ultimately live a consecrated life. Then he goes, let no one despise you for your youth. Now, Timothy was young, which means he was vulnerable to, you know, the things of youth. And he would have justified criticisms of those older than him. But Paul says, live a life so godly, Timothy, in pursuit of righteousness that no one could despise you of this youth. And so uh, contextually, just FYI, Timothy was probably right around 30 years old at this time, and Paul was around 70. And as we know, youth is a relative thing to someone who is 70. And then he goes, but set the believer's example. So Paul is writing here, the standard, set the standard for those around you. Set the standard for the believers in the church. The idea is that Timothy should be the best representation for the Christian community. Set the, you want to be a consecrated person? Set the standard for how you're to live. What's he supposed to set the standard in? In speech. We can consecrate our lives in the way we speak. Are they God honoring? They should be. He says, in conduct, the way he carries himself, it should honor God. In love, the way he loves others, is it a way that honors the way Jesus loved? We read at the beginning of the message that the aim of our charge and the goal of ministry was done through a lens of pure love. Then he says, faith. This would mean having a sense of faithfulness, trusting God is bigger than my circumstances and impurity, meaning that this is to pursue a call of righteousness and refuse the compromise of sin. Then Paul goes on, he says, do not neglect the gift you have. When God gives you responsibilities, gifts, and talents, let me tell you, we are to use those giftings. We need to honor God with our abilities and to continue to press on towards the goal he puts before us. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. This means put it in action. Don't simply just study, just to simply understand and have this thought, but apply it. We're not simply to hear the word, but we are to do the word. And he goes, for you will save both yourself and your hearers. The benefit of setting the standard, friends, the benefit of living a consecrated life, the benefit of following a life, in pursuit of devotion and dedication is remarkable. It's an assurance to the servant of God that, th- that you will be saved and those who hear you will find salvation too. But this also means that those who fail to set the standard have no assurance of their own life or those around you. So this passage leads us to application here. Friends, we must resist a culture of compromise with a desperate consecration of love. How do we do this? starts with devotion. The step, first step of consecration, consecration is having intended devotion. And when I say devotion, I'm not talking about simply reading the version Bible plan, which I believe we should. I think that's good. Be in, I, we give Bible plans here at the church. But it's being attached to something, being dedicated, like a husband devoted to a wife, being loyal, being consistent, being protective, being being focused wholly in pursuit of something greater because there's a greater understanding and a purpose that the very thing I'm devoted to matters so much to me. So how do we do this? Here's what we need to be devoted to, friends. The person, purpose, and power. We need to be devoted to the person that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is who we must devote ourselves through consecration. None of this is possible without Jesus' life on the cross. 
The cross brings resolution. The cross brings possibility to a life lived differently. The cross allows us to overcome a life of compromise. Maybe you're here and you're weary, you're heavy. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, his yoke is easy in light. Do not walk in burden. Choose life. Refuse a devotion to the world and choose to be devoted to Jesus, the one who is worthy of it all. Devote yourself to purpose. I love there's a song, my life is not my own. To you, I belong. <laughs> I give myself, I give myself. It was a song that used to, I could just sing it over and over again. And we got to be devoted in our purpose that we live. God has created each and every one of us with a unique gift set and talent. Ephesians 2 talks about how we are created as a masterpiece, a workmanship to do good works in the name of Christ Jesus. Our purpose is set and defined before us. Will we allow the life that we live to be one that is consecrated or one that is compromised? Then thirdly, power. As Paul said at the end of 1 Timothy, that passage that we saw, that when we live a life of dedication and consecration, we save both ourselves and others. Some of us need to hear this. A life of consecration looks like a life of power, a life where we pray. Because when I pray, I know that I'm not alone. I'm aligning myself with the heart of the Father. I'm putting myself before Him. And the scripture says, He hears the prayers of the righteous and they are answered. If you want to walk in power, don't do it on your own friends. Uh, walk in the power of the word of the Lord and in his presence. Don't be compromised trying to figure everything out in your own life. Instead, lay down your purpose at his feet and walk in power. So, the formula, cleansing plus sacrifice plus dedication equals consecration. If there's areas in your life where you need to Allow God to cleanse that you need to repent of and remove. If there's a sin, if there's something that's got a stronghold, lay it before him. Sacrifice. If you need to give something up, maybe you need to give up an unhealthy relationship. Maybe you need to give up a decision to honor God. Do it. And then to live dedicated, to live focused, to live purposed. Walk this way. Last year, there was something that took place and called the Asbury Revival. It took place for a period of time in um, at the Asbury Methodist College. And there at this university, there was an outpouring of the Spirit. And then the birthing of many lives changed. And there were tons and thousands of people traveling from all over America coming to take part in this revival that started as at a, out of a college chapel service. And they started to realize that celebrities started to try to come and started to take over, but there were some key leaders that were still around trying to give some guidance to this revival so that it could stay at its core, seeking true encounters with God. And there was a missionary on furlough that was involved within the college. And I don't know her name, but I did hear this story where she was on furlough and she was from South Korea where she was a missionary too. And the thing about this as a missionary in South Korea, she had seen that she was ministering to college students and bringing the gospel to them and training them. And what would happen is these college students would, you know, live the life of the Lord and feel calling to spread the gospel as well. And many of these college students would go to North Korea. Now, if you're not familiar, North Korea is a communist nation. And many times they would never come back. 
but they would go with the goal of bringing Jesus to a people who were lost and hurting and who needed hope. And so they would take moments of consecration and they would take these moments to devote themselves and to give their lives over to him. And so this young missionary lady, when she was at the Asbury Methodist revival, she saw the band was in a green room and they were trying to decide if they needed to practice and rehearse before, during the the revival. And she quickly realized that there was an opportunity to say, we need to make sure that this stays focused on Christ. And so she made what they called a consecration room, which most of us would probably call a closet. But they set up some things on the walls, put some important words on the walls, some some photos and some printouts. But they had these stations where people could be anointed with oil. There were these stations where they would be prayed for. There was these stations where they could take part in communion. And ultimately, before someone would step on the stage to even lead in a word or encouragement, they were supposed to go through the consecration room because they wanted the, the whole goal was for them to be compassionate, but uncompromised to a call of repentance and deep humility before entering into leadership of the assembly. And I think it's a great reminder that as we want to live a life that honors God, we must get into closets with closeness with Jesus, where we're consecrating ourselves that are more important than appearance, talent, or persona. One that is focused on living a life of cleansing, sacrifice, and dedication. Why? Because 2 Timothy 2, verse 20, he's continuing writing to Timothy and he says, Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Paul writes clear. God uses those who consecrate themselves before him. Friends, I know that relationships, the world wants us to walk in compromise. The world wants things just to be okay. But I want to tell you is I believe God has something more for you. I believe once you've received his son, Jesus, as your savior, you know you can walk in freedom. But in that freedom, you're given the responsibility to live a life that is different than the world. One that says, I refuse red flags and I choose green flags, relational health. One that is done out of an aim of a charge of pure love of a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. This is what I want to do. This is who I'm called to be. And friends, I want us to refuse a world where godlessness is normalized. Let's pursue a life in relationships where godliness becomes our desire. That's the green flag. Let's be a people who choose consecration. Let this spring, can we be, let this be a spring of consecration where we are focused and we are not content being a Christianity that is limited, that is counterfeit, that is worth nothing. Let us not be one that is allowing the world to compromise our, our, our flavor, but instead let's be a people who go, no, 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 no. I'm going to be a tool that honors the Lord, that, that is set apart, holy and useful for the master of the house, ready for every good work. That is who the Jesus that I know has called me to be. And maybe you're here and you're going through a difficult time. Let me encourage you. We can all choose consecration. It doesn't matter if you've lived for Jesus for one day, no days, or 10 decades. We all can pursue cleansing, sacrifice, and dedication. And when we do so, 
we're refuting the red flags of compromise and we're choosing the green flag of consecration. God, I thank you for this word today. I pray that we are to be encouraged, challenged to live a life different than the world around us. Let us be a people who choose consecration. If we have areas in our life of compromise, let us be cleansed of these things. Let us repent of these ways and choose you. Let us live a sacrificial life and let us be dedicated to the person of Jesus, Lord, to the the purpose that you've called us to. And let us be in mighty pursuit of the power that you have before us. God, I thank you for a life of consecration and all that comes to follow. In your name we pray, amen. Well, friends, thanks for tuning in. I hope you were encouraged and I hope you'll continue to choose a life of consecration. If you want to connect with us, feel free to follow us at Hope Church BHM or connect with us online at hopechurchbhm.com slash connect. Or if you're tuning in, you say, I'd love to join you in person. Feel free to join us every single Sunday at 10 a.m. at John Hawkins Parkway, uh, 2798 John Hawkins Parkway in Hoover, Alabama. Hope is here, friends. We look forward to seeing you real soon.